Welcome to the Real Life Diabetes Podcast. My name is Amber Kluwer, and I've lived with type 1 diabetes for decades and enjoy sharing my story and those of other people living with this disease. Today's guest, Justin Easer, gives us a glimpse into what attending Burning Man with type 1 diabetes looks like. Not to mention, he's only lived with this disease for less than two years. But before we dive in, I have a few quick announcements. Number one, the Diabetes Daily Grind is a nonprofit charitable organization. Funds raised help keep the website, podcast, and advocacy efforts afloat. It's easy. Just purchase a copy of Doing Diabetes Differently or click the donate link on my website. Number two, stay engaged on all things social media, sign up for the e-newsletter and subscribe to my newly updated YouTube channel where this episode will soon be live. All right, let's get started. Welcome, Justin, to the Real Life Diabetes Podcast. I want to say right off the bat to the listeners is that I saw a post, and we'll get into it here in a little bit, as to why I thought Justin would be the perfect guest because he's living life to the fullest, and that's one of the reasons why I have guests like this. So, Justin, tell us a little bit about yourself and your diagnosis story. Yeah, sure. So I have been a content creator and I've, I mean, I've loved tech my whole life. I've been a content creator for six plus years now. And I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes about a year and a half ago. Surprisingly, through TikTok, I was posting videos about what my doctor at the time was having me doing, whether it was testing my own blood sugar or taking Lantus. And uh, at the time I was diagnosed as type 2 and I was posting these on TikTok and the TikTok community was like, no, you have type one, you need to get an endo, you need to get, you know, a pump, a CGM, all these things. And they came to my rescue, basically. And it, it led me to go get an endocrinologist and ultimately get the type one diagnosis that I, I needed and the treatment. And so it's funny how like, you know, this hobby or career of, you know, creating content kind of led me to get this diagnosis happenstance on TikTok where I was posting these videos. And now what I've been doing is creating, continuing to create content on Instagram, mostly Instagram and TikTok, because I knew that there were probably other people out there like me who felt so alone at diet or feel so alone at diagnosis and don't have the education that they need or information that they need to manage their diabetes. Absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm very fortunate to have have the resources to have gotten uh, that information, whether it be through a diabetes educator or endocrinologist. And mm -hmm. my goal is to, you know, put information out there that I'm learning or experiences that I go through on social media so that people can hopefully feel less alone and more educated. Well, and I think that, and I say this often on the podcast is we learn more from our own people than we ever do in the medical community. So people picking up on the signs. And I will say, going back to the diagnosis and the misdiagnosis of type two, were, what were the symptoms that brought you into the doctor for them to even test your blood sugar? Well, so I was just getting a normal physical. And that's okay. when I originally got like, hey, your A1C is high, you're diabetic. I think I had actually like a pre-diabetic test mm -hmm. months prior, but I was like, in denial. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I went again. They were like, no, you have diabetes. I was like, ah. And I still was in a bit deni of denial. And I, you know, I had the symptoms peeing all the time, mm -hmm. mood changes, thirsty yeah. all the time. I felt pretty sick just from, I guess, high blood sugar. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Any family history? Not of type one. No. Right. Okay. Everybody has their conspiracy theories. 
Any thoughts as to why you developed type one? Yes. So I have my own. So I, when I was 21, I had neuroblastoma, which is a tumor on my spine. Oh. And they had to go through my stomach to to get to that. So they took out all of my organs, basically. And I feel like I noticed at doctor's appointments since then. So that was at 21. That was 10 years ago. Since then... At doctor's appointments, I had the occasional like, hey, your blood sugar looks a little elevated. Did you fast? Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, no, I didn't fast or I did. And like, I kind of just let it go by. There was also a a long time when I really cut out like carbs and sugar diet. So maybe that pushed it or prolonged it. And then finally, a few a couple of years ago, yeah, it just really caught up with me. I was really feeling sick and having mm-hmm. the symptoms really badly. And I, I noticed probably for two years before my ultimate diagnosis, maybe three, I was peeing all the time. And yeah. drinking. so like it was probably building up for a long time and then really hit me about a year ago. Gosh, well, that is a and if you don't want me asking r- rough, roughly, how old are you? I'm 31 now. 31. OK, so gosh. And, and looking, I mean, and as you move further into this type one journey, got to get my words out, my goodness, is when you look back at that period of time and there, you'll think back and be like, oh my gosh, I was so sick or I didn't feel well during this or whatever. And it's like in that moment, you you don't realize it. But I always look, yeah, think of reflecting or like when you have a bad day with diabetes and you're not 100%, you're like, wow, I didn't think about it at that time. But okay, that's beside the point. The reason why I wanted you as a guest is you put up a post on Instagram about going to Burning Man. If you're not familiar with Burning Man, I don't know how you exist. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I have a lot of friends that either have gone or been artists that participate in everything there. So I looked up a description of Burning Man, but I don't think it's a, a good one. So tell me what Burning Man is. Yeah, so Burning Man is an event that happens once a year that's about a week long where I think 50,000, maybe more, yeah, all 50,000 people come to the desert in Nevada where it's completely flat, no, no, nothing there, land, and build a city from the ground up in just a few days, three or yeah. four days. And it's a place with amazing art, incredible people, people who come to build and provide something for everyone else for for their enjoyment, not not for any money in return. There are a bunch of commandments or like the 10 principles, principles, yeah, which are, you know, leave no trace and be authentically yourself and radical Mm -hmm. inclusion, all of these things that are meant to basically allow anyone who wants to come in experience this and and money it's a place where money doesn't exist right you can go and you can get any type of beverage or food just by running like biking around it's it's huge it's you'll never see everything and there's parties there's events there's tarot and you know tarot reading and tea yeah there's there's something for everyone and it's a place where i like to say it's what the world could be because when I was there, the camaraderie and the support system and the love and the kindness and the fact that there was no money and that everyone yeah. was really, truly, they wanted to create an experience for you. Right. Did not want anything in return, in return, right? There's no money. There's no barter system either. It's not a trading system. It's truly, we're creating this service for you and you're creating some service for other people. That That's, really- that's a really hard, I'm going to say... It's hard for me to wrap my mind around. I mean, I think it's incredible. And I know people have thoroughly enjoyed how that goes down. So if you're a billionaire or walk in the streets, 
you can still have the same experience, I would like to believe. And I want to start with saying, as we all know, having a type 1 diabetes, packing for anything is can be stressful. There are so many extra things to think about. So you, you, fl- you live in New York, correct? Yes. So you flew into Nevada. So you have to think about packing for how many days? I was there for seven days in the desert for seven days and, and a day or a day on either side in Reno. Okay. So A, that's a lot of supplies. B, when you went into Burning Man, what devices, what were you, what was your diabetes management? Omnipod and Dexcom looping. Looping. Okay. So, okay. Again, a lot of supplies and you change your pod, what, every three days? Every two to three days, depending on yeah. insulin. Dosage. More often than not three. Yeah. Okay. So... Did you make a list of everything you needed to pack? Are you one of those fly by the seat of your pants, throw everything in bag? <laughs> I did not make a list. I'm bad about <laughs> that. I feel like, no, no, I, I was going to say, I feel like I'm always missing one thing. But no, I, I think I do a pretty good job at bringing everything I need. I was overly, overly cautious with Burning Man because it truly is like you're on your own. There's no CVS yeah. around the corner, right? There are medic tents, but I don't think they have insulin, you know? right. <laughs> or the insulin that I take, maybe, you know, who knows? Right. So I really had to prepare a lot for that. For well, sure. And what, one of the things that you said in your post was that you went into the event, which is going to be insanely stressful on your body, not feeling well. Yeah. Yeah. So flu, what, what, I mean, do you know, like, was it a cold? What, what are we talking? So it's like a whole thing. So I had COVID in July, 2021. And after I had that, I noticed like this intense, intense fatigue after for six days that I'd never experienced in my entire life. Mm-hmm. And it got better over over time, over a few days. Then I realized over the last year after that, getting like these spurts every five to six weeks of fatigue where I feel like I'm coming down with something. I attributed it to I just moved to New York City. I'm getting all these bugs. That's right. what it, I think I'm starting to realize that it's not that and it may be long COVID. So I went to Burning Man and I started out feeling well a few days before. And I was like, I'm still going. I tested for COVID. It wasn't COVID. I was like, I am going. I've worked so hard. I've spent so much money in preparation. (laughs) I'm not going to not go. And it wound up being pretty, not like miserable. It It was kind of miserable at moments. It was really difficult. And Burning Man is already very difficult when you're healthy, the conditions mm-hmm. and just the, the fact that you're really, you're roughing it out, you know, and I didn't have, I was with a camp of 44 people, but I didn't have one person in the camp that was like my bestie, yeah. you know, and I, I thrive in those situations. I sure. love to meet new people. I make new friends easily, but when you're not feeling well and then add diabetes to the list, yeah. And then add a hundred degree weather, dusty, yeah. sweaty, dirty to the list. It's a lot to handle. And I felt very, very alone for the first few days. Hmm. And then I finally confided in a couple people and that helped. But all that is to say, I left Burning Man not feeling so great. I was kind of fatigued still. And that fatigue really hasn't lifted in over three. It's been over three months. Wow. And so it's been like a mixture of fatigue, headaches, pressure in my neck. It kind of feels like I'm get, going low all the time. I'm going to check. <laughs> I, I feel <laughs> it right now. So, well, and let me just go, yeah, going to go that too. Which, so you're, I'm, are you in a tent by yourself yeah. whenever you're not feeling well? 
Yes. So I had my own tent. Thank goodness. An RV would have been nicer. It wasn't air conditioned, but yeah, I had my own tent to go to. It was a six person tent. So it was like nice and spacious. I'm really glad I decided to be alone in my tent. And I just like, I really often just like listened to my body and relaxed. I took it so easy. Like I did not do the things I wanted to do and did not, (laughs) you know, I, I, I bike, but like didn't, didn't go on as many bike rides and there were just lots of ups and downs, really. I don't think I even talked about this. I like plan. I wanted to talk about this on TikTok, but it's, you know, it's just, it's not something I'm really fond of or, or happy about. I try to focus on like the good parts because there were good parts too. Sure. Okay. What was the determining? I mean, like I have so many, my past career was in the arts. So that's why I know so much about Burning Man and the reason why people want to go and, and the theory behind it essentially. So what made you think, oh, you know what? This year I'm going to go to Burning Man. I've always wanted to go okay. and I met someone. I lived in Los Angeles for eight years up until a year and a half ago. So okay. when I was in Los Angeles, I met someone who had a camp and their camp was kind of diverging from the other one and forming their own. Mm-hmm. And he was like, he was like, I just can see you going. He's like, you'd totally fit in with the group. And so this was pre COVID. And so I was like, okay, sure. Like let's do the meetings. And then COVID happened and we kept doing the meetings, but you know, it, obviously got postponed. But then when I moved to New York, I started going to all the meetings with the people from the New York part because it's New York, LA, uh, New York, LA camp. And I started going to the meetings and got involved. And then I just went. It it like all comes together at at the last minute. It's very funny. Like you're going to the meetings and then all of a sudden it's like pandemonium and (laughs) what a burning man. That's (laughs) awesome. Well, okay. When you were diagnosed, did you know anybody else with type one? Yes, I was very lucky to have a few people in my life. There was my friend Jenna, who I'm really close to. Yeah, she's been on um, a couple of your videos, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's so funny how like our friendship has really evolved from like this, you know, to having this like thing that we can really bond over and just say these things like, oh, there's this many carbs in that, or like, I'm going to bowl Like, it's so cute. It's, it's really nice. So I'm lucky to had her when I was diagnosed. And there were a couple other people that I knew, like either one person I knew through social media and then one person I had dated a while back. And so these are people that I kind of, re- oh, and then someone, um, my producer that I worked with in LA also. So there were all these people I could kind of pick, pick their brain after yeah. I got diagnosis and ask them a few questions about their treatment or what devices they use, which right. is really, I, I feel really lucky to have had that. Well, okay. And so going back to Burning Man, dehydration is huge for us. I mean, and that dehydration leads to DKA, diabetes, ketoacidosis, if you don't know that acronym. What did you do to stay hydrated throughout that process? Yeah, you have to hydrate so much there. Incredible amounts. I drink a lot of water, but I also use a lot of electrolytes. Mm -hmm. I guess that's a good way of retaining water in your body. So constantly throughout the day I was adding like scoops of they had like these Gatorade containers scoops of like the mix yeah I was adding those to my my water at all times and then a lot of people had like the water water UV or water something liquid uh, IV liquid IV exactly yes. yeah liquid IV a lot of those packets just those are amazing yeah. yeah I was drinking so much water yeah <laughs> well and okay and did they have or did you have access to if you wanted an actual IV for hydration? I mean, that may be go, it may go outside of what a Burning Man person would be. You know what I mean? Like I know in LA, if you're hungover, you can get rolling and get a, an IV. So were it anything like that? I didn't see anything 
like that, but I would not be surprised. Maybe the medic tents had it, but also yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if there was a camp that offered that because there are camps that offer facial treatments and camps that <laughs> offer, you know, BLTs and That's so fun. Bloody Marys. Every camp, yeah, they have their thing in the morning. They throw events and different treatments and <laughs> experiences. What were, what were your favorite, if you recall? Give me a list of a few of your favorite tents during that. Okay. One tent I really enjoyed. Well, they had cold brew every morning and I love my cold brew, but they had a um, LGBT like film festival and they had popcorn and drinks and a huge screen. Tons of people came. So that was one of my favorite events I went to. Mm -hmm. And then I liked this other place that did like Bloody Marys and bacon, which was (laughs) nice. I liked a lot of like the dancing tents. There's like, um, what are they called? Uh, bubbles and bass and they have like oh. champagne and bass and you like go there and you like dance like at sun sunrise after the sun rises oh. you know i i feel like there's there's so much i didn't you won't be able to see and there's so much i wish i had seen that i wasn't able to just because i wasn't feeling well i really only had a good few days at the end i think where i truly was able to like flourish and, and bike around i also loved like the post office they had like a burning man post office <laughs> That That's you cool. go and you can write a letter to someone to send, or you can even write it to your future self. I kind of wish you did that. Yeah. And they'll send it to you in however many years later. They don't tell you. Oh, wow. That's actually really cool. Well, and something I want to say, just because I think about what, what the tense that you're talking about is as a person who's lived with diabetes for 39 years. I'm like, okay, Bloody Marys. Okay, that's a lot of sodium. That means I'm going to be more dehydrated. Then all the dancing. Okay, is that going to lower my blood sugar? What do I need to do for that? Oh my gosh, I'm going to stay up all night. So then there's lack of sleep. So did you get that sense of, I'm going to say anxiety, and I don't think that's a fair, but just have that little voice in the back of your head say, okay, you've got to remember diabetes is sitting on your shoulder. Yeah, so I think I lucked out because I was able to do a little test run when I went to Coachella in April. Of course. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And so like nowhere near what Burning Man is, right? Mm-hmm. Like Coachella is like a fun festival and there are cart, like there are places where you could buy food. And I mean, it's fantastic, but it's like a little test run where you're running around, dancing, right. eating lots of things and drinking lots of things. So my first day of Coachella was really difficult and I was <laughs> so overwhelmed and was so anxious and because, and my charts were going up and down and up and down. I kept, I felt like I kept treating lows and highs. Right. And I was so not in the moment on that first day of Coachella. And I, what I realized was that I, first of all, wasn't putting an override that made sense to me at the time, like somewhere setting my range higher and also cutting back on insulin delivery. I think that that was needed. And what I also was doing is I was getting ahead of lows and highs and treating them almost before they happened or became a problem because I was nervous. Yeah. And so I took that, I used this, what I'm about to say, like for the next few days of Coachella. And I took that to Burning Man, which was like, wait until you get an alert. Don't get nervous or treat before the alert comes because then you may mess things up, right? Like I I wasn't, I wasn't trusting the tech. And I think that the more I trust the technology and wait for an alert, the more I can like keep my mind on what's actually happening and enjoy yeah. the moment mm-hmm. because it's so easy with diabetes to not enjoy the moment and to yeah. be focused on diabetes, but that's not how we should be living our lives. And there are ways to not have to do that. And I think I've gotten better over time at 
enjoying the moment and truly being like, all right, well, I don't have alerts or I having an Apple watch on my, on my wrist yeah, uh, has been really helpful, especially at Burning Man. I made sure to wear it because just being able to quickly glance at my wrist and be like, all right, my blood sugar is fine. And oh, go back. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, especially for like, I like to take off my Apple watch sometimes just to like not have a watch on, be disconnected. Right. But at festivals, I think that that was a really nice thing to not have to like go find my phone. Phones are also pretty frowned upon. Like looking at phones at Burning Man is pretty frowned upon. Like no one's on their phones unless they're taking a picture. Right. Which you is so hard because if you have to look at your phone, I mean, I've been in certain scenarios where I'm like, sorry, but I have to have my phone with me. I mean, it's like, and of course, with the Disability Act, they can't refuse. But it's just one of those, one, uh, another thing that you have to think about with diabetes. One other thing I really like about watching you on Instagram and things like that is your body confidence. I mean, if I had a tenth of your confidence to be able to lift up my shirt, put on a pod and do all the things like, have you always been like that? No, I haven't always had this confidence that I have now, especially like with my body. I think I remember specifically, I started like gaining my confidence when I was like 22. I was on a gay cruise and I, so many people were just like saying hi to me. And then we'd start talking and we'd become friendly and then we'd see each other. And I noticed, I was like, wow, like you can like make friends or just by like saying hi to them. And like, like that, like, I was like, it connected to me. I was like, if you want to talk to someone, you just go say hi to them. I was like, okay, like you don't have to, you don't have to worry. Like the worst thing they could do is kind of just not be like, not really respond. All right. Well then you're not my people. So I think like from that time on since then, I've gotten better and better about just like being, going up to people and being friendly and just myself. And, and that's kind of where the confidence came. I think I'm very lucky to have built up some confidence before my diagnosis, right? Because it allowed me to have that confidence be diagnosed and then be like, I don't care what people think because this is just a new part of me, right? Like whoever, if people have a problem with this, with my tech for any reason, then they're not my type of people. And I didn't realize how uncomfortable some people can be with their diabetes tech. And I think that I, and I was just, I was just posting photos of myself. Cause I'm like, Oh, I like this. I think I look good in this picture. And I like, <laughs> I like that I'm wearing a pump. Like I found right. like it kind of looks cool. It's like a wearable, you know, I review technology. I, I love reviewing wearables and, right. iPhones, you know, watches and glasses. So these are just new wearables that I can show off to people that I think are cool. And so when I found that people would message me and say that a picture of me, you know, really spoke to them because of the how confident I was and, and yeah. it's helping them, that just encourages me more to put out content that shows that I find this sexy and so should you. Right. And beyond, it goes beyond looks like of whether you have a six pack or not, which for the record, if you're listening, I don't have a six pack, I never have, <laughs> love to one day. I think that just the idea, where was I going? I got so lost on my six pack. <laughs> what was About showing your devices. Yeah, I think, that, oh, yes. It, it goes beyond the pump. It It's that if you have diabetes, you're hands down a warrior and you, and the strength that it takes yeah. for you to, on a daily basis, you know, some days are easier, but like the strength that you're showing and have to tackle this disease is incredible. And that's yeah. something that I respect. Every time I meet someone who has 
any any disease for that matter, but specifically diabetes, I'm jaw dropped at how much power you have and, and yeah. how much strength you have. You truly have so you have so much more to tackle than many other people out there. And I think that's that's something to be proud of and to flaunt. You know, flaunt. not that's something right. to hide. I'll never forget after speaking at a JDRF event, this is years ago, and I was just newly on the Dexcom 5. I was um in Whole Foods and it was the first time I let my gear, I mean, my, you could see it on my arm. I didn't have, I was wearing like a tank top or whatever. And I, that was just like this moment for me, body image for a number of things, but also letting somebody see me in that state. And I got stopped in the aisle by a young lady. And she was like, I thought that was you. Then I wasn't sure until I saw that you had the gear on. I was at your talk in, in Tulsa. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, it was like a, an opportunity to connect. So while you were at the festival or when you've been at other things, have you seen other people? I always say seeing your people in the wild. And do you say something? Yeah. Oh, I've definitely seen. I mean, every time I see someone wearing a pump or anything, <laughs> I go right up to them. I'm like, like hi, hi. I'm Justin. <laughs> I have type one too. Type one also. Uh, how are you? And just spark up conversation. I love taking photos. You know, if they want to take a photo, like I'm like, let's take a photo. Like I want people I want to share that. I want people yeah. to see that. Like you, I want to encourage people to go up to other people who have type one diabetes and share that experience with them and show, you know, show them that we're, we're family. And, and I've had people recently that will come up to people will come up to me sometimes and be like, Oh, I saw that you have a pump. Yeah. They'll be like, I, I watch your TikToks. <laughs> and I'm like, that is amazing. It's so funny. Like, I don't think about the, like, there, the, there are people watching my, actually recognize <laughs> me. It's funny, but I love that. I think that it's so, so great. And we should have each other's backs. And share 100%. That. And I have not met a person with type one diabetes that I didn't like. And so it's always an opportunity to make a new friend, in my opinion. So I have a few last minute questions. One, if we can talk about it, and you don't have to. So going into a festival setting, there are lots of drugs and alcohol. And many of us have experienced that. And I think it's I just read an article recently about if you decide to do X, Y and Z in it's best to be in a group setting and make sure that someone in your pack knows that you have type one diabetes, not that it's a burden for them to keep an eye on you, but just should anything happen. So your experience in that setting, did you, I think I, and I can speak to this as an older person, much older than you. I didn't do a lot of drugs because I was too fearful of what if I lost control with my diabetes during that moment. I don't believe in regrets, but I would have been a lot more adventurous if we would have been, had these conversations. So do you feel like you can go into that setting and still have a great time no matter what that means? So I think there are a few things that I like to do going into settings like that. And this goes even to like going to the bar, really. Like I think mm-hmm. it's I think it's really smart when your friends are around for them to A, know that you have diabetes if they don't. Like even if they're new friends, like sometimes I'll drop it casually just so they know. That just feels nice. That's one thing. That and then another thing when you have cell phone reception is yeah. I share my my levels with two two friends okay. who will who will text me when they see something for like a little bit too long okay. and see if I'm okay. If I were to not get in touch with them, they both track my location also. So they could, Smart. they're both in Los Angeles, but they could easily, I guess, get in touch with emergency services and be like, this person is located right here. Yeah. And that's another thing. Another thing what I did specifically for Burning Man, knowing that there would be so many things going around and I wound up not being in the best, you know, place to to do what I wanted to do. Yeah. Was I got a bracelet that said 
type one diabetes. Yeah. And I wore that whenever I felt like I needed to. Yeah. And that gave me a little extra comfort if I was around strangers that they would know. Yeah. I also, because it was so hot there, I was often either wearing some sort of tank top or not even wearing a shirt sometimes. Right. And people would see, see that I was gear. wearing my wearables. Yeah. And yeah. most people, I feel like most people nowadays, especially because of social media, know what these devices are, which is fantastic, you know? Instead of thinking it's like a nicotine patch, I've heard all kinds of questions. It's like, really? A nicotine patch needs that much? I mean, like, I must be getting a lot of nicotine for that. And speaking of patches, uh, one of the things that I saw today, one of your past posts, I don't know, you were going into Lady Gaga concert and your friend put on the skin grip, right? And so I have to say that I'm a very independent, I feel like I can manage all of the devices and all the things myself, except for those damn patches, especially when you have it on the back of the arm. So having a friend and your friend was so sweet kind in helping you do that. I mean, they rocked it. I mean, it was incredible. So do you have a problem asking your friends for help? No, I don't. Especially when it comes to, I mean, easy tasks. I think that I like, look, I'm someone who Googles before they ask, you know, I'm I'm a big, I'm very independent and I'm a big believer. If you can do it or find the answer by yourself, then you should. Sure. But I also think that our friends and family are there to to rely on and ask for help and assistance. And I would do the same for for anyone else. And I think something I try to instill in my content is showing like I'm surrounded by people who don't have diabetes and and teaching them or showing them kind of what I go through on a daily basis so that other people on TikTok and Instagram can also relate like, oh, I'm that friend. Maybe I could offer like, oh, do you want me to put your skin grip on? Because yes, they're very difficult to put on alone. (laughs) I prefer not to. And in that moment at that concert, I I, I had them in my pocket. We actually, we drove a limousine over there, a party bus. And I was like, can you put it on, on the party bus? He was like, not on the party bus. It was impossible. Right. (laughs) I was like, I was like, let's film this, you know, like, yeah, I think I've just like kind of found that I just film moments throughout my experiences with diabetes and friends and People tend to relate or find it entertaining or, or informational. So that's what well, I'm just- And I loved you also, your housemate. I don't know if he's still your housemate, but um, showing him about the, putting on a pod. And probably my friend Toby. Yeah. And that's so cool to watch as well, because that was in my mind, because I'm, I'm not a potter, but to watch somebody do that, because I would never seek that out necessarily unless I was a potter. But I found that was if a parent were watching that or a spouse. Yeah, that's really good to see. And it was no big deal, right? So make it easy. Yeah, Yeah, no, he was down. down. I was like, do you want to be on a TikTok? Do you want to put on my pump? He's like, yeah, sure. I was like, okay, let's do it. (laughs) I like how how willing your friends are to do those things. And so the two last questions that I have that's over the past two years, I ask every single guest or kind of messed up in the past few, but whatever. And this is not a fair question for you necessarily because you're recently diagnosed, but I would like to, I want to know, since diagnosis, do you feel like you have received proper education about advancements in maybe the disease treatment or medications and things like that? Because I have found, and not baiting the question, but a lot of medical professionals or people living with diabetes don't continue to further their education. So you get stuck in this one way of doing stuff. And now there's all these other things that we could be using to have better outcomes. So do you seek out your own education? Yeah, I think so. One thing I have noticed is that I I think that people who have had diabetes for so long can sometimes get stuck in their ways and be like, this is how it works. This is what I'm doing. And I hope to hopefully inspire some of these people 
to maybe try something new or see what I'm maybe something I'm doing is working or maybe something someone else on social yeah. media is doing. I also lucked out because I was diagnosed at such at an such a late age where I like to fix things and yeah. I've got like the independence, right? Like right. I'm going to find the best way to do something. So I did a lot of research. I found an incredible diabetes educator who taught me so much and inspired nice. me to go out and search more too. But yes, I will say my original doctor, I felt like they were very uneducated in the diabetes department. They didn't even tell me if I had one or two or they right. told me I had two and treated me for that. And I find that that happens so often. Yeah. I, I, all the time I'm getting messages saying people were misdiagnosed. So I, the information is out there. And I think that I'm also one of the people putting that information out there. I, I want to push out you know, information about the new CGM and the new pump or the new technology so that people see it on their feed, even if they're not looking for it. I think that's great. And it, like I said, it's always nice to hear it from somebody living with a disease because I'm not going to even go there. But <laughs> yeah, we we know the ins and out and what's comfortable, what's not comfortable, what's working, what's not working from a day-to-day basis, not just slapping the sensor on for seven days because you work for the company, you know, even though good on you for doing that. But the last question that I have, and I say that loosely because I'm sure we'll go down something else is, do you have access to healthy food, which means fruits and vegetables that are fresh within a two mile radius? I think so. There's a grocery store across the street. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and you're in New York City, right? Yeah. So yeah. So that (laughs) everything's walking distance. I mean, it's everything is. Well, I say that, Lucy, that's not fair. You could just have a gas station or something that that's where you would get. But so you do have access. Yes. And the reason for that question is obviously we're trying to show food deserts and disparities and and do you have access to stuff and, and, and walking distance. So if you don't have a vehicle, well, as we wrap up this episode, is there anything else you want to share with the audience? No, I think, you know, I think we got into some good stuff. We unpacked some stuff I haven't unpacked in a while. <laughs> and I do hope that my experiences with the festivals help other people because that was, those were really difficult moments. Burning Man was very difficult, and especially with diabetes on that. And, and Coachella was a great learning experience and and I hope that someone can almost apply that to their future festival or experience so that they don't have to go through that anxiety-driven first day that I went through. Well, and I think it's one of those things too, and a reminder to myself when I read that from the very beginning is I think about the times in my life where I felt angry that I'd been robbed of this joyous situation because diabetes kind of threw a wrench in things, but I still managed to make it through it, you know, and like you were saying earlier, and again, why you're the perfect guest is you saw the brighter side of things or the few things that were good out of that. And I'm sure at the end of the day, that's going to be a learning experience for you the next time you go and the next 10 times you go. Maybe you even have your, I'm already pitching this. You have a diabetes tent. I've actually thought about that. (laughs) (laughs) I have thought about that. The funny thing is my camp is called Camp Fruit Pop. And we serve like fruity drinks and candy <laughs> and pop tarts. I was like, this camp is like my mortal enemy. <laughs> Reserving all sugary things. I was like, I was like, maybe I should do like a a presentation on type one diabetes and explaining pe- to people how it works. Like those are things people do, lectures and stuff. And maybe Camp Fruit Pop does, you know, a diabetes Ooh, lecture. Yes. You know, oh, wheels are turning. We will talk more about this. Maybe on a future episode after you come back from next year with a new diabetes tent. 
Well, thank you again, Justin, for joining the podcast. And I will definitely be continue to follow you and we'll include all of your links in the show notes so that you can follow him as well. Awesome. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad Justin was able to enjoy all things Burning Man, especially after rolling into the festivities not feeling well. His take on this experience is a great message as we roll into the new year. It's all about perspective. As I wrap up, I want to remind you that I'm here for my diapeeps and the medical community. So feel free to contact me at diabetesdailygrind.com. Your continued support and love help keep the episodes coming. Cheers to the highs and lows, everyone. Yes, I'm alive One minor inconvenience A little thing called diabetes Is a daily grind